I think Michael Jackson gets a raw deal because of his crazy pedophilia type things. And and the the, the pedophilia thing is not confirmed so much as he just was kind of like. So there's this theory that celebrities are stuck at the age when they became famous. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, he became famous when he was five, right? So he's just kind of, like, stuck in that age. And it wasn't that he diddled yeah. with kids. But then there's, like... I want to be careful how I bring this up, right? There's, like, Mr. Rogers, right? Who... Not a pedophile. Okay. As far as I know. But, like, he had this whimsical childlike thing to him right like you know it was just the way he is well no 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 this is but but like if you just if you glanced at mr rogers in the 70s today you think fucking dude's a pedophile like (laughs) the way he like talks to kids and stuff and he well i guess you could do the same with mr there was different time right the mr wizards of the time and right those kind of things so that was just the the 70s thing but no I, i think that there is the, the, the example that comes to mind is, I, I, I remember, I don't know if I saw it, but I remember he, reading about it or hearing about it, where Eminem was giving a, a tour of his of his place, like MTV Cribs or something mm-hmm. like that. This was like three or four years ago, but still very recent. And he goes into this room and he says, and this is my porn room. And he shows all the DVDs and shit on the wall. Mm-hmm. And it was asked like, what about the internet where you can just get all the horn you want? And he was like, what? He had no idea. Because his his learning had stopped about the world because he reached a celebrity point where he's like, that's it. I mean, and, and so like you get to a point when you become a celebrity and you just stop. You stop getting, you stop getting, inf- or information is tailored to you as opposed to you getting actual information from, from observing the world. That's interesting. Like, I don't, it's like that's crazy. Like like how getting to a point where you don't discover that there's free porn on the internet. Price, but. Okay. Anyway, it explains so much with the current president, though. Does it? Kind of does. So I just finished watching the Vietnam War. PBS special. Oh wow, that's tw- that's eighteen hours you you put into that. Yes, you it's... didn't watch the Good Place. Not yet. Vietnam War was good. I've heard but it was good. Yeah. the The thing that I took away from it was all these presidents: Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, are uh, all egotistical assholes. Not that different than Trump. I, like, in order to be a president, there's sort of a, a quality you have to have. Uh, but, like, you would think Kennedy would be the good guy out of that bunch. No, not at all. See, I, I'm, I am not that, a Kennedy worshiper. I, I, I don't think Kennedy was a very good president at all. I think Kennedy was, was one of the worst presidents okay. we've had in a long time. See, I mean, i just never done the research, right? But, like, especially Robert McNamara. Like, yeah. that motherfucker. Like he, like he is like the architect of the shit show that was their Vietnam War. Kennedy gets elevated because I think of of what happened to him. But no, he he was he was a really shitty president and he was a shitty person. Uh, he almost brought us a nuclear war. It got us closer than Trump has, at least so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, 
literally, they were like a couple minutes away from nuclear war. Well, when you watch the Vietnam War, like all these presidents are so worried about saving face that they don't care yeah. about prolonging the war. And who and stopped then, it? Who stopped it? Who stopped it? Who stopped it? It was which president stopped? Oh, well, Nixon was in Nixon. Office. I wouldn't say, but but Nixon also like derailed the peace talks when he was a candidate. Yes, like when he was president elect, mm-hmm. he derailed the the peace talks. So it could be solved on his watch. But it wasn't solved like the first year of his watch. It was no, solved on like no. the fifth year of his watch. Right, right. And, and you know, Nixon was a... The, the funny thing is, is Nixon was, was, a, was a criminal to the extent that if that, that Trump is about ten times the criminal <laughs> that Nixon is. I mean, the, the thing that ultimately brought Nixon down was the story that he was paying the legal bills for some of his associates. That's already a news story that Trump is doing. Mm-hmm. So, but then it's like, you know, it's a different world, it's a different universe. One of the things that I remember saying uh, before the Trump thing happens is maybe it is, maybe that's just the the way that our world is working now. That you know, In our more like visceral and more uh, vulgar world. I mean, Trump is the president right. that fits the time. Yeah, I mean, the geopolitical stuff is really. See, I really did like this song. The geopolitical stuff is really interesting in so Vietnam War, right? Because you started with Eisenhower and really worried about communist expansion. This is a good song to karaoke. I'm sorry, I don't want to okay. <laughs> jump into your point, but I, I like this song. The um, the secondary point that I got, well, first primary point I got out of the Vietnam War uh, from Ken Burns was, you know, that all these presidents, Kennedy, Johnson, and Nixon, were these egotistical assholes that are not that far attached from Trump. But Trump, but but these guys were still intellectuals to a point. I mean, they they were smart. They they knew what they were talking about, particularly policy wise. The, the right? way I mean, they, the show was put together, and this could be Ken Burns and not reality. I I, I know that it could be a possibility, but you know, all of these guys were more interested in saving face than saving lives. Well, that's yeah. absolutely a part. I mean, part of of the whole thing is protecting your image, but they were still able to answer questions in a way that made them sound like they were smart as yes. opposed to made them sound like they were fucking idiots. Yes. Did you see The Last Mr. Robot? No, no, I still haven't. I, I've watched episode one. Oh, right. I'm, I'm uh, probably going to watch episode two and three tonight. Uh, when I get so it's up. not a spoiler, but in The Last Mr. Robot... I know there's some Trump... There's a Trump-like... Yeah, so The Last Mr. Robot, there's the, the Chinese guy from the Black Army, right? And he has his PR guy come in and he talks about how we need to make Tyrell not be a villain. You need to work on Tyrell's villain or image. And then also, I got a guy I need you to back for president. And Trump's on TV, and the guy's like, he like doesn't make any sense. He's a complete imbecile, you know, and yeah, you know, that kind of thing. So, so, so this is set before Trump became president. Yes, yeah. Set. It was a flashback to before oh, okay. the Five Nines attack. I see. Interesting. Because you know, as much as Mister Robot plays in a parallel world, it, it, it's it's a world that is 
very similar to yeah. ours. The current Obama episode, was president, and, the, and they actually they cut him together to say Tyrell yeah. Wellick. Right? Yeah. They, I mean, they actually had, they made somehow him say Tyrell Wellick. Yeah. The um, current episode is a flashback to right. After I know it explains Tyrell Wellick yes. stuff, so I'm like I'm I'm really anxious to get to it, but I gotta watch episode two first yeah. and then watch episode three. So I I I am curious. It's probably the best episode of the season so far because the, the first episode was really intriguing. I was like I was back in, like I was really like okay, because like, because I remember the end of I remember the second season being like okay, interesting, interesting. What what the fuck is happening? And yeah. and the most of this episode is while Elliot is in jail for the dog, right? Is when this last episode takes place. Well, that I mean, in order to explain what going what was going on with Tyrell, they'd have to do that. Yeah. So, but I am interested in that, and and I know that there were some reviews that they weren't care, but I didn't care. But I'd be interested as long as it's a good story. I'm fine with it. Uh, this was the best episode of the season for me so far. Well, it's only third episode. Okay, but second episode was a snoozer for me. Okay, I mean, I haven't seen it. Yet. But I, I will. Like I said, I think I'm going to watch it tonight. Either that or I'm setting up my VR tonight. I don't know. I haven't decided. <laughs> is that what your den's going to be? Is going to be the VR room? The den is a little bit too small. Oh, is it? Okay. Because um, I'm just thinking, if you keep the room completely empty and just put the VR in it. <laughs> well, like the thing is, the VR doesn't need like a whole computer setup. I mean, it can just it can play in 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 the living room as long as it's just yeah. set up there. Yeah, uh, and and it can pretty be, be pretty much out of sight as long as it's just sort of set up. Yeah. So I mean, you know, the living room is the better is the better space for it. Okay. Um, just because that that den is is too small, the den is probably going to be the computer room ultimately, the computer desk and stuff like that. Um, gotcha. Oh. I didn't finish my Vietnam War thing. So the primary point was these presidents and how egotistical they are. The secondary point was shit. <laughs> what was it? It was I don't remember what I wanted to say. Fucking beers. <laughs> you gonna blame the show now? You mean blame yes. beers? Well, the do the, the uh, cause and the problem of all. Lives, whatever, whatever Homer Simpson said. <laughs> the cause the and solution. To, that, that's pretty hazy. The cause and solution to all life problems. Yes. yes. Sorry. The um, on the alley update for you know maker tech stuff. So we're working on two videos right now. Working on the drawing robot, but mm-hmm. she won. She came up with her. Oh, I want to make a. I want to hack a pumpkin. I want to put. Stuff into a pumpkin to make it do stuff. You still yeah. haven't watched Physics Girl yet, have you? I think I saw one, but I'll have to, oh, really? I'll have to circle back around. Okay. I think. Um, the the um, so she came up with again another you know project like I want to put. Well, that's some, good. I mean, you want her to come up with a project, right? Right. You know, so I want to make a pumpkin. That is, will laugh like taunt, basically taunt trick or treaters. Mm-hmm. So again, I showed her all the technologies we're using an Arduino. We're using I, I have a little that redboard. There is a sound player. It has an SD card. You put MP. You don't put MP3 files on. It. You put a. You have to convert it to this weird format. 
but you put them on there and then uh, so basically there's a motion sensor when someone walks to grab candy out of the candy bowl uh-huh. the jack-o'-lantern that's sitting beside the candy bowl will start taunting the trick-or-treaters which is a great idea I mean I like it and also we're going to use these neopixels they're these bright LEDs that you can pick any color because there's RGB so you can tune the color so basically, the idea is in the pumpkin to have them kind of be yellow. Maybe, maybe if we can do it flickery, so it looks like a candle. Mm-hmm. And then when it starts taunting, the eyes will, like will turn red. It'll turn evil. So that's kind of the plan that we're going to see if we can do. Yeah, we only got three days left, so we got to work. We got to spend a lot of time tomorrow working. That, on that's this enough time. And uh, you got everything except for the light part down. And uh, the amplifier. The, the speaker's not quite loud enough by itself, so we're going to hook in an amplifier. Uh, the first test of the amplifier, the wave files were way too... It was, it was um, making the speaker kind of like cap out. So I'm going to re-encode re- re- file, the sound files kind of like half, half as loud and see how that works. And we're working on a video for this, so it, it's slowing us down. But uh, taking in your advice, right, we're, uh, we're getting... I'm making sure it doesn't seem like Allie's doing magic, or she doesn't think or, it's magic, or so that, that that she just seems uninvolved. Was really my my yeah. my biggest issue. I'm with you. She's she's not uninvolved. I know she's not, but the last video I, made it seem like she was just showing something that she didn't really know much about. Yes. Even though I understand. she you know, built it and she's demonstrated it before. It, it didn't seem like she was describing right. something she worked on. Whereas the first video, not only do you see her doing stuff, it sounds like she knows what she's talking about. It sounds yeah. like she's worked on it. The, the last right. thing I want is for it to look like Dad did this, and I'm just yeah. kind of showing this off. That's the second to last thing. The last thing you want is her to be uninterested in doing it at all. Or, like, well, no, as, okay. as a video watcher... sure. That doesn't come into my okay. mind. Right. But... I understand. I understand. So, like, my philosophy is she's nine years old. I want to I want to instill in her this spirit of making and tech and things like that. If, if I present her with impossible challenges and tech is too hard for a nine-year-old, mm-hmm. that's not doing anybody any favors. So... My philosophy is to have her solve problems, answer hard questions, but always swoop in when the frustration level starts to build. And Mm -hmm. yes, so like when you came down today, I was doing some soldering because it was taking some fun. I was using magnification to do the soldering. Yeah, yeah, it was fine because, like you said, it's fine motor control and it's also concentration and it's like it's just it's a lot of. Tedium. It's it's yeah tedium that you know that a nine year old is not really a nine year old of Allie's sense, which is she's not like uh, I don't I don't want to make an I don't want to insult anyone by saying this, but she's doesn't seem to me like she's like spectrum like right. She's she's she gets social stuff better yeah. than than average, so. That means that, that her oh, concentration she is, she is, is on other things. She has tons of empathy. Yeah. yeah she, well, she, th- no, no, no. You oh. can you can be on the spectrum and have plenty of empathy. Okay. It's not that. Right. It, it's it's that she is like the the real thing about people who are like on the spectrum is they they can get so concentrated on something that they 
they lose attention to everything else. And they can do so much of that that it sort of trains their mind not to care about empathy. And But you can get so concentrated on empathy that that's all you care about if you're sure. on the track. That, that's certainly something that could happen because really uh, Asperger's syndrome is about concentration when a lot of people concentrate. Okay. So it's, it's not a thing with, em- with empathy. Okay. It's, so you have to think about it that way. But she... In, in my interactions with her, she seems she, she's, she's nerdy, right? Which I think is great. I love it, but she's not she's not like not paying attention to you. She's looking she, she's looking at you when she's talking to you, and then she's also able to talk about other stuff that, that she's thinking about. And she has the kind of nine year old things where she's like, yeah, I don't know. Whereas like. Someone who I would expect to be, you know, Spectrum City would be able to talk about everything and list everything right. they're doing like that. So because so, that's what they're concentrating no, on constantly. Sure. Like when we're doing things and she'll like, and this helps that. Like this makes that, you know, like like. But she likes using like helps. Like that's her fallback, uh-huh. and it's it's part of the problem you had with the the flower power video, right? Like well, the re- the Mickey Mickey. Makes the lights light up. No, Mickey Mickey doesn't make the lights light up. It, it's the input to the Raspberry Pi, and the Raspberry Pi is looking for the input signals. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've been working on more like that. So, for example, in this most recent project, the Arduino runs at five volts. The sound player runs at three point three volts. The Arduino. So the sound player has two things, right? It has the circuit, the the pins to power it. And the Arduino has a 3.3 standard, like a power rail, so you can power it. But then the other part was to actually make it play a sound, you have to drain one of its pins, either the play pin or the next song pin, to ground. And since an Arduino can't like switch like on a ground, we have to flip it around and say... And I was explaining this to her today. I'm like, imagine the sound player has a cup full of electrons. Okay. Marbles. Yeah. Okay. And and if the cup is full, it's just going to sit there with... Oh, and I had a cup of coffee, right? So I'm like... It's like me with my coffee. If my cup's full of coffee, I'm fine. I don't need to do anything. But when my cup gets empty, I have to do something and get more coffee. So I'm going to sing a song and try to earn some coffee. So I'll sing a song and then you give me more coffee. Okay. Yeah, so I like that, it. That's I like what it. I said, right? So when... So... The way the circuit works is you could set it up with... Because what you're talking about is you have a potential that's even. And right. then you're decreasing the you know, potential. You're, you're getting this. but So if you're doing a very simple thing... But I'm trying, I'm trying our, to explain it in a more... Sure. you know. In one of our tests, we had the sound player hooked up to a button, a momentary button, to ground. Here's Michael Jackson, by the way. So... I love, this, like I, love, I love this song. I'm playing the Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome okay. Mix Volume 1 and 2. So, so, if you're wondering. The the pin that plays the sound is at 3.3 volts. And if you wire it through a button to ground, when you push the button, it'll play the sound. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's draining the pin to ground. Right. Now, with the Arduino, the Arduino can't turn on a pin to ground. It can turn on a pin to 5 volts or 0 volts. Now, if you push five volts into the sound player, you might, you might break something. Mm-hmm. 
So we had to build a voltage divider. So we had to use a series of resistors. You put a resistor in front between 5 and 3.3. And then you need one after 3.3 to ground because there could be a floating problem where it could fluctuate. But if you have two sets of resistors and you pull the electrical engineering issue, which I wouldn't, I mean, theoretically doesn't come up. You would think you would just need one resistor to drop Mm 5.5 to 3. But if you don't have this current flow to ground, it's not steady. It's not consistent. Mm-hmm. I'm not an electrical engineer. I could be saying neither am I. But, I could be but, saying the wrong words. But I like but the. Thinking I think it's kind it. of like how it, a pin can float if you don't have it on a pull down resistor. Because I know I, I know theory, and that's it. I'm not. I don't know. <coughs> so here's a diagram of the voltage divider. Mm-hmm. We have five volts over here. We have this resistor. This resistor is 1,700 ohms. Okay. This resistor is 2,200 ohms, I believe, to ground. If you pull a circuit off between the two resistors, you get 3.3 volts. There's a a formula you can Mm -hmm. use to to figure this out. A pretty simple formula. And, but if you... Just use Ohm's Law. The question is, why do you need the second resistor? Right? Why right. don't you just do this first half of the circuit? Mm-hmm. And the problem is, if you're not pulling current, you're going to get a different voltage than if you are pulling current. Right. Okay. It's going to yes. float around. Right. Yes. But when you put in the second resistor to ground, it's going the to, current it, is consistent. It's going to even. Yeah, it's going to even so out. So you pull a yes. consistent voltage. Mm-hmm. Yes. That makes sense. She Absolutely. didn't go into that much detail. Right. But she did describe... Two resistors, three point three volts. I mean, what you, you can think about it. If you, the, the water analogy is great for electricity because it really does, you know, work. And, and you can think about water is flowing into a system. Uh, if there's not a drain mm-hmm. on that system, then you can overflow. Okay. But if there is a drain, then it's then it, generally it's not going to overflow right. as so, long as there's a drain that will keep, that will take the overflow. So let's away. look at the drain here to make the sound start. Mm-hmm. If we are sending. If this pin is on yes. and sending 5 volts, there's 3.3 volts pushing into the thing. Now, this wants to drain 3.3 volts to ground to, to trigger a sound. Mm-hmm. So it's balanced, right? You have 3.3 pushing this way up. You have 3.3 from the Arduino pushing down. Mm-hmm. So it's in a steady state. And then when we sense motion, we turn this pin off. When this is 0 volts, this is 0 volts. So now the sound player can drain to ground over the same circuit. And we do that for 600 milliseconds. Okay. And when we do it when we do it for 600 milliseconds, I started with less. I started with 200. It wasn't enough. 500 wasn't enough. 600 is enough to consistently trigger the IC to play a sound. Interesting. So imagine a button, right? If you had not a resistor here, but a button, you have no drain to ground. You push a button, you have complete drain to ground. Hmm. Okay? When you push a button, it's however long, but it's enough to trigger... The sound player is an integrated circuit and some other stuff to make it easier. So it's probably something in the IC that's causing that, that delay. Because I'm wondering what, what is necessarily there's, causing that delay. The, the IC... I mean, there's, 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 stu- there's other stuff on the breakout board. Right. The breakout board is designed to make it easy to use. You don't have to... You don't... Our, if you look at our project board there, there's, other than the voltage divider, there's no capacitors, there's no resistors, there's no nothing. Everything just works because all of those components that balance all the systems mm-hmm. are on the breakout boards. Right. In the sound player, in the amplifier, on the Arduino. 
Um, so you know, this was you know, I had to, I had to learn this a couple days ago to sure. teach Elliot, right? But you know, when I came up with the allergy of you have that cup of coffee with a hole in the bottom, and when we're we keep filling at the same rate of this draining, the cup's full, so I'm not going to do anything. But if we turn off the hose, the cup's going to get empty, and what do I do to get more coffee? I, I sing a song like a, a street busker is what the analogy I was trying to make, right? Mm-hmm. That busker's got to do something, get some, and then fill his cup up, and then he can take a break. Yeah, no, that that's a good. So. I, I like that analogy for the idea of really, really the idea is uh, is getting to the lowest energy state. Right? I mean, that's that's what ultimately is is grounding all of these things speaking is, of energy states that that um enzymes thing on in our time oh my god in our time is a fantastic podcast i love the podcast i just haven't listened to the enzymes one until today but explaining how enzymes work right because the best analogy i heard in it was okay you are on the hundredth floor of one building i am on the 93rd floor of another building now, you could carry your cup of water down 100 floors, cross the street, and up 93 floors, and you'll still have a net gain in energy. But it's a lot of work to do all that whole thing. What an enzyme does in this analogy is it kind of puts a chute from your 100th floor to my 93rd floor. You know, so, so the chemical reaction happens with this less overall consumed energy, even though it's still the same net bonus. It's less resistive, resistive to get there. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the way it works for people listening is, it's it's actually a geometry thing, a three D space thing, where it the shape of the enzyme will help kind of twist and align the molecules so the electrons are in the right place, so they can. I, I'm super simplifying. No, Craig, no, no. Greg's getting ready to say, "Okay, but no, that but, is absolutely but not what I'm going to say." Actually, and, and they kind of snap together that way. The, the, so it's the, almost an armature to align molecules. The coolest thing about this kind of chemistry is how much it is related to topology. And it's this weird thing that I that I really just started to kind of understand like three years ago or so, where the stuff that that makes like if you if you if you watch these videos of like, oh, what's going on in a cell? And they show like things walking, like looks like they're walking around. And this came into play because I was arguing with a creationist. But regardless, because they're like, look at that machinery. How could that be formed? And it's like, well, I mean, it really comes down to charge and topology. And it sounds like simple stuff. And it is, ultimately. But these things are just, it's, they're... It's interesting that, you know... In chemistry class, I only took one chemistry class yeah. you know, in 11th grade, right? So I know almost nothing about chemistry. But It's it, all about electrons. Chemistry. It's about adding energy in the system to make bonds happen, right? I mean, that's what we learned mm-hmm. in 11th grade. The thing about enzymes is because they can manipulate the orientation of molecules... It's subverting the amount of energy needed to make things happen, right? Because you can use energy to excite molecules, so the odds of them finding the right orientation or more. But enzymes are a mechanical way of doing that. In a lot of, they also have an electromagnetic aspect to them. Yes, they definitely but, do. But 
and, and I mean, and that, that, that's really how they work is is by attaching on these bonds that be related to charges. Yes. And because, I mean, you you may have, I mean, you may have heard like water is a polar molecule because there's, even though essentially when you have these bonded systems, they are neutral, there are still magnetic moments. I there are like there are kind of north and south points to them or in orientation in space. They're not totally symmetric in space in terms of their magnetic fields. And because of this, even these complicated systems that come from these molecules, they can connect in certain ways right. where really it's charged that it's I mean, electric charge that's doing the that's that's like okay, simple example, right? Electrolysis, right? You put an electric probe into water mm-hmm. and you run an electric current through it. In, it breaks apart water into hydrogen and oxygen, and well, that's that's breaking apart. Is I'm not sure if this. I, I thought I had an analogy, like to talk about, but now I think it's the opposite reaction, right? Because breaking apart is not the same as combining. So I'm gonna step back from that. Okay, one. so you got you got to think about. The but I'm I- thinking about like substituting energy for enzymes, right? Because you can do the same thing in some cases by adding energy into the system, right? But that's just going to make the molecules move faster. So the probability of the right orientation is slightly better. You got to think of enzymes really as kind of nano machinery because that's essentially what they are. They're 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 not the thing that gets people into into weird things is when you see one of those videos of like something walking along and but but that's you know that's done on like a, a visualization scale but really this is all a bunch of goo that's all mixed together and the whole thing is that the enzymes kind of they fit into it's it's kind of more like a big 3D jigsaw puzzle that things kind of stick into and then float away from as they right. go through it. So it's really it's very complicated, which makes people think, oh, it's engineered. So, so it's almost but like it's not, they're but, almost like they're shoots instead of jigs or something, right? Like sort of like they're kind of as as the molecules are flowing past them, they kind of shoot like almost like a, a log flume or something like at the museum worker which it turns the log you know to, to fit with yeah the... yeah it, it's it's like um maybe a plinko like what were those machines that uh, that uh, in in japan with the balls floating you know falling down the come off pins plinko <laughs> is is the is the price is right version yeah, the of that thing but but so the, if you have a whole bunch of these coming down you know some are going to go randomly but some are going to fit into the right places and and they're going to do the right things and you know as they're just sort of passing by and it, it's sort of like so there's an overproduction of enzymes yeah the, i mean i would think that's a poor example because the proper plinko board is all the pins are going to be 50 50 well the plinko plinko is not the example i'm, okay. I'm, I'm trying to use right. i'm trying i'm trying to give an idea but i'm of, thinking of like kind of a shoot where it kind of orientates the thing as it's flowing through it right but some oh. of them can just pass by and not do something and some make it better okay maybe 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 like have, an assembly line where you have like if you're putting ic's on the circuit board right because they're going to be stacked up the shoots are going to orientate them and then they're going how to about drop. this how about this an antenna right so you're the entire uh area around you is being inundated with electromagnetic waves of all spectrums but if you have an antenna that is you know in, in a certain space then that is going to vibrate at at you know whole integer variations of the wavelengths and so therefore that's going to detect the wavelength that you want 
uh, even though the whole surrounding area is not going to be affected by it. So effectively, as long you know, the flow of of photons will go right, you know, all the way past the antenna. But the ones that hit the mm-hmm. antenna at the right at the right energy right. are going to be absorbed and used. Yeah, uh, kind of. It's not a great analogy. Yeah, I'm but disconnected it's, from from our original conversation. It's about end, you know how enzymes yeah. interact with things, and and it's it's probabilistic in in a sense. Uh, and and it's you know it seems like it's engineered because they're they're so specific, but there's just there's so much of them that are made, and 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 evolution has had four and a half yeah. billion uh, to years. To me, the most fascinating thing is that by manipulating the orientation of the molecules, it it makes them so effective to to make that because. Yeah. Because you you see in chemistry, right? Like all the stuff we did in chemistry was over a burner. We're adding energy into the right. System. We're doing a lot of you're adding a whole lot of energy right. using heat. And then enzymes to, are to like we don't need yeah. the energy to increase the vibration of these molecules. Look, we have this chemical way of twisting this molecule so they snap together. Yeah, at much lower energies. Mm-hmm. And you know, the second, so there's the physical manipulation part, but then there's the the enzymes also have this kind of electromagnetic type thing where it will. I'm trying to remember how to, how, to, how they said this, but it will. Uh, it will kind of weaken the bonds, so things are more likely to change, like. So there's like kind of a charge to an enzyme as well that will weaken the bond and make it more susceptible to bonding. Maybe a better way to think of that is is if we have the kind of understanding of biology and they'd be able, be able to the ability to create enzymes that we do the ability to create integrated circuits and transistors then you then we could do stuff like uh turn your beer into gold but you know one, <laughs> well not okay not not one, one of my turn, biggest one of my turn your beer into away. iced tea and and turn and then dissolve you like one, with a with a drop right, right? I one mean, of my biggest takeaways is that um Enzymes is the ultimate life hack because the universe tends toward disorder, and enzymes are a low energy way to put things back in order. And or not necessarily put things back in order, but to they're they're a low energy way to change something as opposed to taking a high energy way to change something. So it's but so it, 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 it allows order to arise. Yes, no order arises from chaotic things, but. And then that's part of you know understanding a bit of, of order and chaos are not dichotomies. You got to understand that they are very very connected okay. things. Um, but the the I, I don't think that that analogy that you put works because the point of enzymes really is to lower the energy required to do tasks uh, and and to do well, specific the thing I was the thing chemical I was saying, tasks. You could, I'm, I'm interjecting now so you can review me, but it's if if enzymes didn't evolve to do their job, could life have arisen the way you know it, because. Well, not the way it is, no. Well, right, but but you know the amount of energy to the amount of energy and time needed to do chemical um, interactions that enzymes do without enzymes would have 
it's almost like changing one of the fundamental parameters of the universe, right? Where like, no, I if just, the, you know, if the weak force was a little bit different, right? Then atoms would have never congealed in the first place. You okay, know, that kind I, of thing. I kind of disagree. Okay, and, and the reason why I disagree is, is like, okay, enzymes are a way to to do to catalyze these reactions in low energy situations, relatively low energy. Situations. Okay, but. Okay, how much bigger than the Earth is the, the, is the sun? A lot. A lot. Can you tell me for sure that there's no life forms existing in the sun? It's a huge amount of energy going on, pushing around. Maybe there's life that has evolved to work in that energy state that uses the energy of those, you know, that energy without having to work with enzymes because there's so much energy around. I, you know, I, we have not communicated with any life that exists there. We have not been able to... We, we haven't even really looked, to be honest. But is is that possible? I I don't see any reason why not. We only sounds like have good, been exposed... Sounds like a good sci-fi like thing, right? Like sure, exploring. sure. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen the notion of gas-based amoeba that live in Jupiter's atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, like take that another step further and you are plasma based energetic you know you, you if, have, if, if you're talking of, about interactions and the type of things that are going on incredibly complex incredibly high energy there's no reason for me to assume that life cannot other than well life like us can't exist but life as a soup of energetic reactions that 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 cause you know that is catalyzing their own I reproduction guess it is still chemistry at even those high energy levels right because yeah. you still have atoms this convection there there's all types of stuff going so on when, so when does when does chemistry stop and when is it purely physics it's the motion of a particle well, right chemistry is physics I mean, well but like what okay so if you're in an environment where it's all plasma and it's all no molecules Okay. If there's no molecules, is there still chemistry? Not of the... Well, not chemistry. There's still physics. Right, right. But what I'm saying is, where's the line? Do you need to have atoms that can form molecules to have chemistry? To Chemistry, like I said, is related to electrons. Bonding. Right. And so, so chemistry... If you don't have molecules, you don't have chemistry. You don't that, have chemistry... But that doesn't mean you don't have interactions and and structures. No, I'm not. I'm not arguing that. I'm just kind of physio- uh, philosophically trying to figure out where chemistry ends. And if you're in, a, in, a, in an environment where there's so much energy that molecules can't form, then you don't have chemistry as a field. That that, that I mean, in in small spaces you do right because there's going to be you know periods of of of, of temperature. But if you just have plasma in like Neutrons and protons, it's all physics at that point. It's not chemistry. Well, it, as, as I said, physics covers chemistry. Chemistry is a particular area of physics that deals with bonding of electrons in uh, in systems. But there's plenty more physics. And sure. there's lots of material. And there's lots of ways that they can interact that does not involve bonding of electrons. Now, we are familiar... And we are only really uh, 
we are only just getting to the point where we're kind of starting to understand interactions of of plasmas. I mean, that, right. It's, well, it's, you got to be careful, like how you define things. It's just like defining a craft brewer, right? Right. Because okay, so chemistry is how molecules say say we decide chemistry has how molecules interact, right? Then you have something like catalyst, which doesn't bond with the molecules but it facilitates uh, it's kind of like an enzyme an enzyme a, a yeah. catalyst is is the precursor to an enzyme essentially yeah kind of how they said it in the the in our time is a catalyst goes unchanged right the platinum in your catalytic converter doesn't get used up it might corrode and stuff but it doesn't get used up by providing catalyst mm-hmm. it's there it probably does a similar thing i don't i don't know the specific but it probably does some kind of physical manipulation to make an its presence makes a it would have to do something physical right but its presence doesn't makes it allows more it, it, it allows but whatever it's, but it's whatever also not depleted it's also likely. not depleted by the fact that it right was, it was, because it's related to charge and 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 topology and right. the stuff of plasma. I mean, some of the coolest material science that we've seen lately, or that's on the horizon, is promised stuff. Is you know, we just talked. Uh, did we talk about this on the show? Like lithium-ion batteries. They found like adding a little bit of asphalt into the battery reduce prevents the possibility of dendrites, which cause the battery fires. Oh. And unless you charge them like a super cap, like so you can you can charge a lithium ion in like minutes with wow. if you put a little bit bit of asphalt in the battery. And that's what is of, asphalt? Asphalt is it's tar and yeah, I don't know, but it's material so, science. So it's right? a lot of 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 organics. I guess in. this is like lab stuff. It's not yeah, productized right. yet, but the, they're kind of showing that. You don't need. We should get into a lithium ion. Is, is is essentially it's it's a it's a structure that gets ordered and then disordered, and the disorder releases energy, and then you can put energy to reorder it, and so okay. that's why it works great as a battery. And the reason your Samsung Note whatever was catching on fire was that um, almost like the tin whiskers that you see in data centers, the 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 anode or the cathode, one of them was growing whiskers in the substrate and they were bridging through to through to the other one to the cathode which the allows end. it to then spark across and then and catch and on fire catch on fire and so it's a it's a problem with lithium ion that you know you either have to design the battery very carefully to to mitigate that problem if you're not if it's a bad design it's susceptible to that the this researcher who is doing the asphalt thing found that it's like two things, right? It, it's like it mitigates the dendrite problem, but also, yeah, lets it charge like immediately. That's awesome. I mean, because that reminds me of, of the similar ways in which, I mean, steel was made by figuring out, oh yeah, you add some some soot into your in, in, into your 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 bronze and your uh, well, you <laughs> your said, iron, you said and a it couple turns months, into this much stronger structure. You said a couple months ago, like like you're like wondering if going into particle physics was the geek thing for you to do because material science is like exploding right now. Mm-hmm. And this is just another one. Like like you would think all the shit with materials has been invented, right? I mean, I used to think like, that. Yeah, not at I, all. I used to think that. And like you make graphene by, you know, peeling lead off a pencil. And I saw, 
I saw this thing on YouTube. I do not know if it was a hoax. But the dude made a homemade super cap, super capacitor, with a thing of graphene and some activated charcoal and some epoxy and some aluminum foil sheets. And the thing charged and ran a motor for like 20 minutes. Wow. Now, I don't know if it's a hoax or not. It, it sounds dangerous, probably. <laughs> so I, uh, I ordered a couple super caps from AliExpress. I got a four, I got two, four Farad super caps for about three bucks. I got it. I really got to pee, but I want to continue this conversation. Okay. So. I can, I'll, I will uh, go pee. Okay. I will talk and we'll talk about the super caps when you get back. Um, let's see. So yeah, the super cap, I've been ordering a lot of shit from AliExpress. A-L-I Express. Uh, Alibaba is kind of the old school Chinese marketplace to buy Chinese stuff like when you're buying a thousand of something. And AliExpress is where you can buy one or two of something. Oftentimes, they have free shipping. So you can get two, four Farad supercapacitors from AliExpress for like three bucks. Downside is the free shipping is China Post and stuff. So it takes 30, 40 days for it to show up. But if you can get stuff for like a buck or a buck and a half, like I bought some capac- regular capacitors. I bought some of these NeoPixel rings where if I bought them from an American company, I would have been paying like $12, $14 for this ring. I got it for a buck on AliExpress. Now, I haven't tested them yet. I don't know whether they're going to work like I want. If they work, I'm going to buy a bunch more. Uh... What else have I got from AliExpress? Most of the stuff from one of Allison's next projects, the drawing robot. Um, it would have cost me $100 on Amazon. I got it for about 40 on AliExpress. Uh, I got some cloned Arduinos for like 4 bucks. Where, you know, a regular like name brand Arduino is uh, $24, $17, somewhere in that range. So, yeah, as long as you have the patience to wait for the shipping, it's a great place to to get stuff. They, they sell all kinds of things. It's not just computers, components, electronics. You can get your fashion shoes and stuff from AliExpress as well, if that's your, the commercial that's your thing. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just trying to fill airtime to get back. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Just talking about... I just oh. think it's funny you're still talking about what you can do at uh, AliExpress. AliExpress? <laughs> Um, so my, so I, I wanted to get into this thing about life because I think that our definition of life is way too small and well, we were, sorry, you, you want to keep on, we your, were talking about something and you wanted to, <laughs> no, well, I, we were talking about, well, this gets, oh, right, the, the super caps. Yeah, yeah. The super caps. Right. So real quick, I don't have a lot to say here. Got these four Fairhead super caps. I'll grab one for you in a second. Shoot, it looks like it's super tiny. And the thing is, the super caps are not high voltage, so it's four Farads at five volts. I don't know what a Farad is. It, it's it's a weird. So it's kind of like the amount of holes in a, in the, the okay. cathode of of the Farad. Okay. You know, it's of the of the capacitor. It's. 
So it, it's a potential difference. It's a potential difference. When I was in junior high school taking electronics, electricity class, and we were asked, learning about caps, I remember teachers saying, you know, like, you know, someone asked the question, why are farads, why, why are capacitors in the units of microfarads? Why, why is a farad so big that all the things we deal with are one thousandth the size of a uh-huh. farad? Which is a good question. It is right? a good question. Why did the dude? Why did Mister Farad pick something that right. is a thousand times bigger than what you can make? He must have been experienced with something that was a very high potential. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't know the story, but until supercaps came around, there was no one farad capacitors. So. So the guy didn't have the answer. Got the teacher said, basically what I recall is there will never be a one farad capacitor. It's always going to be in microfarads. Well, then supercaps came along, and you know and I'm able to buy a four farad for less than a for a buck. And then if you look on Alibaba, they have things like replace your car battery. 120 farad capacitors for like 20 bucks. The unit of capacitance in a meter kilogram second system equals the capacitance of the capacitor having an equal and opposite charge of one coulomb on each plate and a potential difference of one volt between the plates. That's why. Because it's, you it's, set it's, volt it's, and coulomb to one and there and, and, and right. this number comes so out. So even though none of the material science at the time could come even right. close to that, so it, it was it, a unit that it's very similar. Unit. Remember, we talked recently about planks, the plank units, where you set these common constants to one, and these other things tumble out of it. Yeah. And that's where plank distance okay. is really tiny, and you can't get to it. It's entangled okay. energy. It makes but, sense. Yeah. But you could understand how it's mm-hmm. confusing yeah, yeah. to an electronics guy with, with a bunch of capacitors in his hand, and you're dealing with one one thousandth of the base unit, and nothing exists that is the base unit. Makes sense. Okay, yeah. But, but that, today, the base unit exists, right? Yeah. So when I started playing with these super caps, they're low voltage. They're 5 volts, right? And you'll see this with even non-super cap capacitors. If you have a 10 microfarad capacitor, it might be able to do 100 volts, 500 volts. If you have a 4,700 microfarad capacitor... Mm-hmm. It probably can only do five volts. Hmm. My four farad supercaps can only do five volts. I have seen these 120 farad supercaps that can only do two volts. Interesting. So there's kind of a balancing of how much capacitance, how many holes there are in the plates versus the voltage. And farads doesn't really convert to current directly or watts or joules. Well, because I, well, you're talking about coulombs and stuff. I'm not even. I don't even. Well, mean. it's it's meter per kilograms per second. So, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, yeah. A, it's a it's a strange. Uh, I, this is where I say I am not an electrical engineer, right. and I don't understand. I know. So here's what I did: I charged the supercap, and I hooked up a small DC motor to it. And a four farad super cap at five volts. So this is where it's different. This is where a capacitor is different from a battery. A battery will provide 
its kind of maximum voltage until it's almost empty, mm-hmm. and then it'll fade off. Right. A capacitor kind of has a linear decrease, so it'll be five volts, four point nine, four point eight, four point seven, four six, four point five. So if you have a load that needs five volts, it it's going to stop working pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. But if you have a, a load that can run on two volts and five volts, it'll last for a long time. So I hook up a small DC motor to this four fair and super cap. And it ran for like six, seven minutes. Now, there was no load on the motor. It the sounds motor, like what you The motor put... was only spinning the axle, right? There was no pulleys or anything hooked up to it. It sounds like you should put that on like a drone, right? In order to to have... So the places that super caps are used in reality today, um, electric screwdrivers, like cordless screwdrivers, they have ones that are super cap based. So you put them on the charger... They'll charge in less than 10 minutes, and then you have a few hours worth of screwdriver. Are supercaps the one that go bad really quickly? No, supercaps don't have a Okay. Supercaps are still limited by how fast they drain and how much work you can do with that stuff. Mm-hmm. I've seen some stuff on YouTube where people have made supercap car batteries. The whole thing we said how much work you can do is why I want to get back to talk, don't, talking sure. to Allie about... Right. You know, Newton and stuff. Because yeah. So you can, like, 120 farad super cap could be a car battery. As long as you're, if your alternator charges it up, it'll hold the, it'll, it'll hold the charge pretty well. It'll leak out over time. So, like, because over a weekend, it might lose, it might go from 12 volts, which is your car starter battery, to 8 volts. 8 volts probably won't start your car. It's kind of questionable. But uh, I've seen some interesting videos about like replacing your car battery with super caps. But it, it, it's just, it's like the maintenance gets increased, right? You got to make sure you have that charge, right? Yeah. So once your super cap battery gets dead, how are you going to charge it back up? You need a twelve volt source. Here's the other interesting thing: when I was charging that four farad super cap, mm-hmm. I was using a five volt Arduino power supply. And I put a resistor on it because I didn't want the super cap to kind of brown out my Arduino. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to lower the current. And I started with a 1,000 ohm resistor, which was way too big. The super cap was only increasing. Like, you can put a voltmeter on the super cap on the circuit, and it will show you, like, this is something that I've never understood until just recently. So I'm kind of like a... Like, how you're getting into particle physics, I'm... Starting to get into basic electronics. Good. And Good, because we need to you need to be able to teach me all this stuff. Right. So I want you to teach me all this stuff. You have a battery and a yeah. capacitor. Yeah. And say you set a voltmeter right on the capacitor, right? The capacitor is the whole the way the holes and the electrons and stuff work. It's like the priority of where the electricity goes. Yes. So your voltmeter if you're putting five volts from a battery to a capacitor from power source to a capacitor. We should describe what holes are. Holes are essentially a way that physics describes non-electrons, yeah. like a, a, a place where an electron wants to go. Yeah, or will go if given the opportunity. Right. It, it, it's they're treated in electrical engineering essentially as particles themselves, but they don't actually exist. But they are potentials that draw particles right. to them. So okay, so imagine this circuit where you have a battery and a capacitor. Now take your voltmeter. And hook it on the leads to the capacitor. Put a switch in there. So the switch is off. And you have your lead. 
and you have the voltmeter or the capacitor. Turn on the switch, your voltmeter is going to say zero volts for a short period of time because all of the electricity is preferentially going into the capacitor. Hmm. I don't okay. know. I'm not describing this the physical physics way. No, yeah. I'm no, describing this my I'm, observational I'm just thinking way. thinking about, yeah. How it... And now, as the capacitor starts to fill up, capacitor has this very sh- subtle curve, right? Like, it'll go... The last 90... The last 10% of a capacitor to fill... Will take ninety percent of the okay, time. Okay, so it's about time you it's start a, learning some calculus. In it's an inverse curve this, because you're talking about rate of change. So okay. you're gonna have to start learning some calculus. Okay. But it's not hard. Sure. It, you, you just have to teach yourself the basics. Right. So, like the last ten percent of a capacitor takes takes the most time, but the beginning it fills very fast. So at the beginning, your voltmeter is not going to get any of the cur- of the voltage. So it's going to read zero. And then as the capacitor starts to fill, there's going to be spare electrons to go through the voltmeter. Mm. So it's going to start reading current. When I was charging these super caps... So it works kind of like... It, it's like you're throwing stuff down a dump, right? You've th- got capa- a huge The capacitor hole. is the greedy guy. Yeah. He takes all the voltage right. until he starts to fill up. Okay, okay. And a better, then... A better one, better one. It's like a black hole. Shit will just flow into a black hole. But eventually stuff is going to start to swirl around and become luminescent because it starts because it starts to pile up there's too much yeah. to go well, in at one when, at once when when he gets a certain percentage full there's a pers- uh, kind of a, a ratio of stuff that's because it can't jump. pull in all of them at once it, 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 well it, the electrons are going to hit holes that are already filled I guess and bounce back out right and show up in the voltmeter well there's like yeah it, it's sort of like that because basically essentially the the there, it's it's it, going to be harder to find an empty hole. Okay, you're you're pouring. Yeah, you, okay. You have a you have a hose and you're pouring it into a hole, right? And and let's say the hole is is about the size of your stream of, of water. So you know it's gonna it's gonna Slush suck it down, bit, yeah. but eventually it's gonna start sloshing and and pushing up and you know pour, and and pouring out. Especially as that hole gets more and more full, there's gonna be some interactions. Well, kind of like if you're filling a pitcher with your faucet, which is aerated, uh-huh. all those air bubbles take up space, right? Yep. You know, so a bad analogy, I think, but kind of it's kind not of not necessarily because that chem- that inner that stuff is not only related to air. Because when you turn air. off the faucet. The air bubbles come out this and stuff the water settles. It's not immediate. It still takes time. It yeah. still takes time for, for these differentials to happen. And you still have you still have to, to calculate these things. That's what you know, ideal gas laws and shit are about. And you yeah. use that when you're talking about currents. Right. So you're 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 dealing with the fact that there's an only a certain amount that can go in at a time and that there's a negative pressure associated with that. Right. So when I was charging the super cap the first time the resistor that I put on to limit the current because I didn't want to burn out, mm-hmm. like overdraw from the Arduino, was way too big. The voltage increase was one one hundredth of a volt over like five or seven seconds. Hmm. That's how slow it was charging. So I'm going from 0.00 volts right. to five volts at seven seconds per hundredth of a volt. It was taking forever. So I actually ended up with a... I want to say like something as low as a 33 ohm resistor, which is almost almost no resistance, mm-hmm. and I was able to charge the super cap in less than a minute, and then I hooked up a DC motor with no resistor, 
and it, it ran the, the tiny little DC motor with no load for like four minutes. Like, man, there's a lot of power. It, I bought these super caps to play with them. They're only five old super caps. I'm not going to hurt myself with these things. Yeah. I'm going to be careful with them even when I do. Watch gonna, the amps, of course, but yeah. Well, right. I'm going to make sure that they're empty before I touch them. Very careful. Uh, so one of the projects that I've had on my mind was we get emails at work when we make a sale. And I wanted to write an app that took triggered from those emails and sent a thing to a physical device like a cash register and went ka-ching. Yeah. So I have back here in the in the basement behind me one of those Fisher Price cash registers from when we were kids with the bell on it and the physical buttons. And I, I got a tiny little solenoid that can bang the bell. Okay. And I was trying to make this work with like a regular capacitor, like a four 4,700 microfarad capacitor. But that wasn't enough electricity, even with no resistor, to make that solenoid fire and hit the bell. This four farad capacitor, I'm pretty sure it can Well, do. can't you do the same thing that Allie did with her project, which is only do it when there's a drain as opposed to when there is a, a, a But I need to push? ding a bell. I need to hammer a bell. Right, but you can you can trigger that with a drain as opposed to well, triggering that with, if with I, a If with I wanted to use a speaker and, you know, and, and make a, a computer... Yeah, you power file. the speaker, but oh, no. but in order no, no. in order to power the circuit, it, you, all yeah. you need is a drain for right. it. To... But what I wanted to do was a phys- I wanted to ring the physical bell, the, the tin bell that's in the cash register. I don't see why. Do, do you understand what what I'm uh, saying? Okay, so I understand what you're saying. Here's my problem: the the microcontroller I was using was only three volts, three point three volts. Okay, I needed a I needed a, I needed a way to store enough energy. To fire the solenade off off the power supply of those microcontrollers, 3.3 volts. A 4,700 microfarad capacitor dumping its current its electricity with no resistance into the solenoid was not enough to ring the bell. But now I have something that is almost a hundred times more current. That I can dump into the solenoid immediately, and it feels like you you could hook this up to standard power outlet and have the power always there to ring the bell, but just have the circuit so that the circuit is preventing it from ringing, and then you drop out. Right, I, I can I can have a high voltage side and a low voltage side, right. and then have a transistor where the low voltage side says, or or a MOSFET that says drop the thing. It would have been one way to solve the problem. Uh, I wasn't super motivated to solve the problem in a different way when my first method mm-hmm. failed. So I have two options. The super cap could probably do it, or I'd go your your method, which is a valid method. If super caps didn't exist, I would have had to have gone that mm-hmm. way. I, I didn't... I'm not an electrical engineer, so I didn't want to get too complex, right? right? I wanted something that I, I, I could figure out how it would work. And like... Well, USB up, voltage could probably up, do it, right? Couldn't a 5 volt? I, at least a 3.3. I couldn't get the I couldn't get it to hammer the belt. This this whole thing I just talked about capacitors, that's a new knowledge to Okay, me. no, no, that's cool. I, I've yeah, been, yeah, yeah. I've, you know, I've been a pseudo-electronics geek for years, but... 
Well, I mean, capacitors were always kind of black magic to me. I never had someone who could explain them to me just right. So you remember the period where you were talking about where you said you and I were kind of at equal areas particle physics-wise. Yeah. And then I linked ahead. You and I are kind of at equal levels electrical engineering-wise, and I feel like you're going to be leaping ahead of me big time. I feel like that that's what's going on right now. So everything I just stated about capacitors is me observing things and then rationalizing them. Okay, yeah, you got to read more. Sure. I mean, because no, that's... I, I've done, I've tried. No, to... no, but I'm just saying, like, it sure. didn't, I, I didn't learn particle physics in, in, in a year. I learned particle physics in fucking 10 years. I mean, it took me this, it took me a long time I'm to with, absorb this I'm information. I'm with you. I, I have many times over the last 20 years said, capacitors are fucking magic. I need to figure these things out. And I've tried to research them and... I never was able to get the kind of comprehension I got until I started experimenting with them. And when I started seeing how when you hook up a voltmeter in front of a capacitor, that the voltmeter registers no voltage until the capacitor gets full, how the capacitor is the greedy guy. Mm -hmm. And this is all like anthropomorphizing. No, no, it's, it's good but, because it's conceptualizing. It's, yes. it's, you'd say anthropomorphizing. Really, it's it's getting the concept yeah. but seeing how the caps into a way are, that your brain can understand it. Seeing how the caps are greedy really helped me. So, yeah, for example, yeah. uh, one of the projects that Ali had at the Maker Fair, which it kind of broke, it didn't work, so it wasn't engaging, so people didn't really get it was that wearable scarf that she was working on with mm -hmm. the NeoPixels. And one of the things I read about was when you supply power to the NeoPixels, be careful you don't supply too much current to the first one. You'll burn it out. And you need to put a capacitor in front of it. A pretty big capacitor, like a thousand microfarad uh -huh. capacitor. And when I got to this point, it was right after I had conceptualized using capacitors. So it made sense, right? Because... If you hook a voltmeter up to that first NeoPixel, you'll see how the voltage will increase really slowly. There'll be no spike. There'll be no current outflow to it because that capacitor is going to be the greedy son of a bitch yep. that's going to grab all the voltage when the power comes on. Mm -hmm. And so helpful. Like, ever since I was in seventh grade taking electronics, capacitors never made real sense to me. I knew they held energy. Yes. But yes. I never knew what they were good for, how to use them, or anything. Now that I know that they are kind of a sink for, like, energy and, like, kind of will soften the the waveform and the increase in the outflow of energy and stuff like the inflow and outflow of energy, like, I have this more native conceptual understanding of capacitors. And I think that that's important because then when you start to deal with equations and things like that, they're going to make more sense because the important thing is equations are shorthand for concepts and it's about so that's why equations look foreign to you until you understand what's going on and then they don't look nearly as foreign like an example i pull up here is the schrodinger equation the time dependent one and this you know looks like nonsense to somebody but if you start to, you know, as you start to learn more and you start to get the concepts, all right, so you're dealing with a, a, a complex wave that's occurring in time and it's being, and, and the 
the energy states are changing as with reflects of time. And that's what you're talking about. You're talking about something that's you know moving in in some wave-like format, and and the way that it's that it is changing in time is being described by this system. It's and and, and you know you got to plug in numbers for this to actually do anything because just as an equation doesn't. You know, it, all it does is stand there and say, bleh. But when you plug in numbers, that's when the machinery gets to work. Just like F equals MA, right? You, that just, bleh. But when you plug in numbers, then you actually start to see, okay, there's a force here because I have a number for mass and a number for acceleration. Now, the part where capacitors are still magic to me. So, AliExpress, I saw a listing for like 50 capacitors for like 75 cents. So I bought them, and there's 10 different sizes from, like, 2.2 microfarads up to 400 microfarads. I have no idea if I was building a circuit when I would need to add 2.2 microfarads to the circuit. Well, you got to get into your doing... I, I, yeah. I expect to learn shit from your electrical engineering uh uh, like I understand when I want to use like a big sink, like a big thousand microfarad capacitor to keep the neopixels from burning out, makes sense. But like when you're putting in this itty bitty teeny weeny little capacitor, like I, I I just don't I understand like some of the some of the reasons people use them to to kind of smooth out waveform signals and stuff like that. But like like how to calculate the, this tiny little capacitor is what you want to use there it's like i just i have no idea how i'm gonna get that point i want to ex explain something you know how i love teaching right of course it's something that i absolutely adore i enjoy you know, demonstrating stuff and teaching stuff i also love learning and i want you to get to the point where you're just you know drawing things on a paper and trying to explain shit to me that i don't understand i do because that is I mean, teaching is learning to me. Uh, so it, it's kind of, you know... It, it, uh, who knows when I'm going to get the next breakthrough. That breakthrough of how capacitors are greedy mm -hmm. was like angels started singing. Like, holy shit! Isn't like, it amazing when you get those... those Like, your, your mind clicks and, oh, oh, that's how it works. Like, it, it, all these complex things just come become so much simpler. Right. And like, oh, oh, that system... I mean, the way... The, 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 the comparison the, I make is... Ptolemaic system of epicycles and shit to just oh yeah. you got to use ellipses yeah and and as as once you it, it yeah. seems simple and of course it is simple but getting to the simple is very hard and once you make that flick and it, yeah you get that it's like oh oh yeah. and once you then look at it that way like the whole thing just becomes like well, it's like you know it's I, a I, magic I, trick it's like wow boom oh like. I, I, I can get, like, I know when I could use a big capacitor uh -huh. in a circuit. It's the little ones right. that I don't get. Like, like like how are they even significant at all type thing? You know, that's the kind of thing. I, I you know, I, I mean, and, and I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I guess that at, at certain areas, if you're trying to do some kind yeah. of weird circuit. Here's, here's something for you I just thought of. I imagine. Did you see in the news Sorry. about two weeks ago about how, like, Uranus was visible to the naked eye? No. There was something going around in the news about Uranus about two weeks ago is visible to the naked eye. And I'm like, what the fuck? Uranus is never a naked eye visible thing, it was my knowledge. Yeah. 
and I did some research, and it seems like it wasn't bullshit. Well, it must have been in a very like low light area, right? Because you couldn't do it in a city. I just, I just wondered if I was hoping you had seen it. No, no, unfortunately I haven't. Because when we saw Uranus, it was like super hard to see through your five and a quarter inch telescope. Yeah, yeah. Super hard to see. Maybe it's slightly closer being in the elliptical orbit and so is Earth. And so maybe they're at But there was shit on social media like you can see Uranus through your naked eye. And like my first thing was like, this is bullshit. I looked into it and it's like, I don't think this is bullshit. But I'm not sure. I, I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, Uranus is far. The, it's fucking far away. Uh, and Neptune's even further. Um, I did want to get back to this moment before, before we end. I wanted to get into this sort of a life thing. Because we, we were talking about life like in the sun. And I think that we do need to change our current definition of life. Because okay. I... Um, what I mean, particularly evolution seems to be something that occurs everywhere. Whenever there's energy on a system, some sort of evolution occurs. One of the the, the uh, most recent examples of, of the striking example that I can think of is when we finally saw Pluto and we saw look at this dynamic shit that's going on in this cold, you know, ice rock and. Uh, it's because you just you know you apply energy for billions of years and some some evolution is going to happen. Uh, uh, not necessarily I'm talking not necessarily biological evolution, but some the system is going to evolve because energy is being put in and so it must be distributed. Okay, so let's let's stop for a sec and I want I want to understand this better. Non-biological evolution. Yes, evolution being change over time. That's all I mean by evolution. Change over time. So in traditional so not, terms... So I'm not talking about biological... So it's a non-biological evolution in terms of stuff that changes over time that is not biological by our definition. So a circuit is an example of, of evolution. Something's happening. It's changing over time. I think you're commandeering the term, though. No, I'm not common. No, no. Evolution means change over time. Period. Now, when you talk about it in biological circumstances, you're talking about biology that changes over time. But evolution itself, the evolution of a system, how something evolves, how the Schrodinger okay. equation right, evolves, right, right, for I got example. You, I got you. Okay, so you have a system. You have either, let me pick a simple, a respiratory system, right? Or you have a uh, convection system, right? Convection is non-biological. Respiratory yes. is biological. Respiratory works through this complex thing of cells and oxygen and CO2 and stuff like that. And you could imagine an evolution where they become more efficient at extracting the the Averroi work better, right? right? Something like that. Well, we talk about, so for example, ref- for example, we talk about the evolution of Mars's atmosphere. We're not saying that Mars's atmosphere is okay. a life system. All right, all right. If, about- okay, so phrasing it that way takes a lot. Out, it unloads a lot of. So what I thought you were saying was, I thought you were saying that the process could change over time, right? Because evolution in biology means the process changes over time. You get 
if we go back to the respiratory system, you either get better or worse at re respiratory stuff. Mm. Changes. It, maybe not better or worse. Better Different. or worse is not the way to put it. You either but, get better. But the, you get you either the chemistry are, changes. You, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me let me clarify this. You either get um, more uh, uh, fit for your environment or okay. less fit for your right. environment. Okay, so this is kind of suitable. We were just talking about enzymes, right? I develop a new enzyme that lets me process the chemical better. Evolution. Or worse. Or worse. Evolution. Still right. evolution. Yes. Same. Yes. It, evolution no, does not, I, does not, not imply... Yes. I want to make sure that... I, it's I clear, do. though. Evolution does not imply... I lose an enzyme. Positive I gain or, an or enzyme. It changes it's how I can... just change. changes how I can do a chemical Overtime. process. What I was trying to hear... You, what I was hearing you say, what I was trying to picture was taking that kind of change, that that chemical change, to a environment of beings in the sun... Where it's all plasma, and so it, it's a physical like physics changes, but physics doesn't change, right? Physics doesn't change, no. right? So, but how? What? But but the stuff that's occurring changes. No, when no, when we get to the sun, I don't know how to describe plasma going on in that in that environment, but I don't know the, the dynamics of of the system. I don't know the, know the dynamics of a system. Could, of could you have an enzyme or a catalyst that changes how physics works? No, not how physics works. Enzymes no, don't I'm, change. I'm asking, I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm asking. But so you can have a catalyst or, chem, or an enzyme that changes chemistry. Mm -hmm. Let's go into science fiction world for just one second. Okay. And something happens in the universe that causes something that works and similarly against physical process that could. Okay, so if we're writing a sci-fi novel, it. Something evolves that allows FTL travel, or wormholes, or something. We're talking about sci-fi right now. No, no, I, I know, but but let's be clear about for what we, what we mean when we're talking about FTL. Uh, why FTL is impossible, from what we understand, is because you cannot travel through space-time faster than light. Now that 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 leaves out any mode of travel you can think of that doesn't go through space-time, which we are not aware of. But you 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 cannot travel through space-time FTL. However, there may be something we're not aware of that the Star, is... The tar Star Trek Tardigrade evolved and was able to modify space-time. Yeah, right. Using this, this this weird like spore network in the system. right? right. That, that was in like... But that's kind of... The thing I'm just proposing, yeah. So it's, right? it's some old, some other some other dimension that is, but it's not. But that's not that's not anti physics. It's just physics that we don't understand. There, there's a difference between between uh, uh, saying uh, something is outside of physics or or, or is. Or, or it's physics, but it's just that we don't understand it. We don't. Have, oh, we don't have. The I, I'm just throwing access. darts right now. No, no, sticks. no, no. I get it, but so, I want I want to clarify here that yeah. that. I, what I'm talking about when I'm saying that there may be that, that that to me it's conceptually possible there's life in the sun is not that I think that life as we know it on Earth is existing no. in the sun because no, that, it's some big nebulous cloud of plasma but that who, has but who the fuck knows because we don't we don't have really any experience with that environment 
and it's huge and incredibly energetic. And if you know, think of and we were talking about what enzymes do, and they allow these energy pathways. But you don't even need those because you have so much energy. Uh, and you're talking about the evolution of a system that can now evolve incredibly fast. Uh, and and I, I'm wondering if what you just said is a little bit of that um, not appreciating the vastness, right? Like we were talking about in the pre-show or before the pre-show about you had that little model solar system and how far away yeah. the sun would be. I'm wondering if you could take that same kind of thing and you thinking that there's this vast amount of opportunity in the sun and ecosystem for this kind of thing to happen, but really it's not that vast. I, I don't know. Is the, yeah. I, I, I'm, I am saying I don't know whether it's possible. I'm not saying that it's true. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying I don't know. I don't right. understand the plasma physics, and I don't think anybody does, but I, I'm uh, not going humans, to exclude it simply no because... No scientist on Earth has any kind of inkling... Yeah. About non-water-based biology. Right. So I'm not going to simply assume. I I can say with with in, with as maximal certainty as possible that life like us cannot exist on or in the sun. Life like us. Well, sure. But how can we even imagine? Okay. So here, here's another sci-fi angle, right? So water is our solvent. All the life that we know of, water is the solvent. Mm -hmm. Okay, sci-fi time. Plasma is the solvent. Magnetic fields are the solvent. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can write you you can write your novel on mm -hmm. that. It's all sci-fi, but you can write your novel yeah. on that shit, and you can have fun doing it. It's 100% speculation. It's totally speculation, and it, it may, in fact, be completely impossible. It it may be something that is 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 so, so fanciful that it just simply will, will not work. I don't know, and as far as I know, no one does, the physics of plasmas to know whether that is possible. I know the complex... I know the sun is a very high-energy system with a lot of complex shit going on. And I know that Life evolved, the one instance we have of life evolved, on a relatively high-energy system compared to what's out there with a lot of complex shit going on. And that... I mean, I, it, I'm forced I to make the connection, is, is all. I'm forced it, to it, say... It's worth the ponder. Yeah. I think you would want to talk to some physicist or chemist that could kind of bridge the solvent part of it, you know, because you need a solution to, to have the life that we understand, the life that we understand, but okay. Okay. You need to be tangential to at least what we understand. To you need to have, I, I think we can put it this way. We, we need to have some sort of structures Right, some sort of way that structures can maintain and and uh, create copies of themselves, uh, in order for for it to be some form of life that we can you know comprehend in that sense. So, is there some way to maintain and copy structures in the plasma environment of the sun? I don't yeah, see any reason yeah. to believe that's not true. 
I, I like your like your angle. I'm, I'm trying to process it and come up with something to counter, but I'm just going to parrot myself what I said already about, you know, I'd be looking for some kind of evidence that you know. Well, yeah, I would. I would not I, assume I, I, this I is am true. I'm not a molecular biologist, right? I'm not anything. I'm a. I am a tech, an IT manager who um, who drinks beer, and uh, to me, I would and cuts down trees. Yes, and cuts down trees. <laughs> and you know, I'm really looking for some kind of similarity of of the the solvent, the medium in which this happens in plasma, but you know. You're speculating. You're writing sci-fi, right? And and if we're going to move this anything beyond sci-fi, other than fun speculation, you know, I would look for some kind of trying to reconcile how plasmic workers. Well, I, like I said, I'm giving you at least something that yeah. there has to be some sort of structure that can be maintained and, and replicated and duplicated. Yeah. And and that's as that is the base requirement for something that we can call yeah, life. Yeah. So, but it's also the base requirement for other things. It's yeah, absolutely. Base, it's base requirement for crystals. For organization is for yes. crystals and mm-hmm. universes and how uh, matter arranges itself in the universe. Right. Which is why I, which is why I think we need yeah. a new definition of life because I, I do think that, like, I mean, I don't know if we need a new definition for life. Well, because, de- a definition for life is, uh, a, a process that can replicate itself and mm-hmm. are crystals alive? <laughs> okay, I'm good. Good, you got me. I'd have to. I'm not ready for this argument. I'd have to go back and study crystals and study life and come up with an argument. I don't have one, but mm-hmm. I'm sure perhaps, there is. I'm sure there is one. Though. Perhaps on a crystal's time scale. There is, and I'm going way, way out because one of the things that gets into is what is consciousness, and I, I don't know. But, but like, on we are we are very familiar with the consciousness on our time scale, but we don't know what consciousness is like on possibly other time scales. Who knows? And, and like, crystals do self-organize and replicate right and there are there are other things that we see we see uh, organization of, uh, of of systems like giants causeway like you know the, these volcanic systems or whatever that but you know, you know even systems. amino acids in volcanic vents mm-hmm. organize themselves yeah. right i mean those aren't life on their own as we understand them viruses as we as we've defined them right as we define them amino acids are pre-life they're components of life but not life in their own that's based on our definition yes I gotta pee I gotta pee really bad alright well I think we can end it anyway We've been, that was a great enough. post show I love it that was one of my favorite post shows cool alright well we will talk to you guys another time hour and a half holy shit <laughs> <laughs>